Welcome to Big Tobacco Messed with the Wrong Moms. And we're the wrong moms. I'm Meredith Berkman. And I'm Dorian Furman. And today we are thrilled to introduce Dr. Jonathan Avery, head of addiction psychiatry at New York Presbyterian Wall Cornell, and also one of our first advisory board members. Well, John, we're so grateful to have you on as a guest. How do I talk to my kids? about vaping? How do I raise the issue? How do I figure out if they're doing it? Maybe we could start there. Uh, first off, it's it's great to be here on the podcast and I'm very appreciative for, for all your work. Um, they definitely did mess with the wrong moms. I, I agree with that. And, and I'm, I'm happy to, to be a part of the, the team, uh, you know, tackling this with you. How to talk to kids about a difficult issue like like vaping? You know, it's it's frankly it's hard. I think that's like the first thing to acknowledge that it's it's hard it's hard to be a parent. It's hard to be a kid. All of this is hard. And if it were easy, I guess no one would be listening, and and, and we'd have nothing to talk about. And I mean, some of the ways that that sort of inform how we talk about it is sort of how we think about this overall to begin with. And and I think one of the big mistakes that people make when sort of thinking about how to talk to the kids early on is that it's sort of bad kids doing bad things. And so if you're coming at the kid as as this is, you know, a bad kid doing something bad, then then you can't even start the conversation. And and so I, I think just in one's own mind, one has to sort of frame it first as this is potentially a health issue, this is, you know, experimentation to a health issue, um, and that this is something to be explored and thought about as opposed to be judged and punished. And if you can at least start in your own head in that frame, I think that gives you an invitation to, to begin to start the conversation. And, and the way to start it, I think, is early and often in non-judgmental ways, just sort of exploring what they know, what they see among their friend group. And really even, I think sometimes as parents, we want to like get it all out in one conversation and, and solve the problem forever. But really what you're doing is laying the framework over time to set the safe space where you can talk about these things, where you can ideally, you know, have it be a conversation where a lot of it comes from them. What's the script you would suggest? Because we, you know, we're all trying our best as parents. We all want to raise difficult issues in the right way, but it's hard to know still exactly what to say. I know it's not a one size fits all. Everyone's family is different. Everyone, everyone has a different child. You have a different parenting style. Is there any opening lines? I mean, literally, I think this is what we as parents want. Is there any hack, <laughs> you know, any psychiatrist hack you could provide for parents? about the best way? And maybe there isn't, but I, I'd love to know that too. Well, I think it's sometimes easier to talk about what not. I think sometimes we get at these conversations in the most heated of moments, you know, when you discover something in the backpack or or something on the news raises your your anxiety level. And, and I think the conversation best occurs in sort of a calm, neutral space, um, which is, and occurs sort of as an invitation to your child to, to explore this you know, and, and often, you know, relating it to something that's going on in their lives or yours, you know, that I saw X, Y, or Z, and it made me think about vaping and or juuling, all the kids using it. And just curious, you know, what your experience of that was, you know, among your friends, yourself. Um, that sounds a little too scripted and psychiatry-like, but, you know, you have to sort of adjust it based on, you know, your, your personal style and the kid's style. Um, and even if they say, mom, you know, be quiet and never talk to me again, or, or dad, you know, 
you know, this isn't something I'm at, at least they know then, at least you earmark early on that's something you're interested in. It sort of gives them an invitation to bring it up in the future and, and gives you something to check in on going forward. What if your child talks to you about it, but says, no, no, I'm fine. I've never used it or I'm not using it or I've tried it and I'm not using it now. But then you start to notice signs that maybe they are using or maybe they are addicted. First of all, what would those signs be? And then how can you talk to them about it if they've basically told you that they aren't doing it, but you suspect they are? Right. So now we're getting into the challenging, the challenging thing when the behavior maybe has taken on a life of its own, when, you know, I think addiction is something that, that hides in the secrets and, and this sort of jeweling and vaping is, is a nice invitation to do it secretly and odorlessly. And, um, you know, I, I think these devices sort of lend themselves to addiction faster than other ways of using nicotine historically, where you can use it around the clock, um, where you can, you know, get a physical dependence on it quickly. And so, um, the science can be subtle because to be a adolescent is to experience some of these things already, but it's, it's basically when you see them starting to be more secretive, irritable, anxious, trouble sleeping, mood issues, hiding things more. And, and then, then you tend to, you know, think something's up and you might not immediately think it's, it's fueling or vaping, but it, it's clear something's going on. And so, you know, when you see those things, first, you want to point out the behavior and wonder about it with them. And, and then, um, you know, depending on how they're they're doing in other aspects of their life to to escalate it accordingly. Why do kids get so addicted to these e-cigarette products? And what happens chemically in the brain and, and how do kids get so addicted? The good news in some ways is that a lot of people will experiment and use and not develop what we call a substance use disorder to it, you know, a nicotine use disorder, which is basically when the use of the substance begins to impair your function. Um, is when we think you have, you know, an addiction to it or, or a substance use disorder. And um, the way nicotine works is, is sort of subtle in some ways, because it's not that quite that high that you get when you drink or use other substances, but it does very quickly hijack the reward pathway in your brain, uh, such that you get a, a dopamine spike when you get it. And then with time, your brain sort of rewires, so you get the biggest dopamine spike about acquiring it. And so your brain sort of then, after you use it repeatedly, is saying, I want more, I want more, I want more. At the same time, when you try not to use, you get into nicotine withdrawal, which feels very uncomfortable. You feel anxious, you have trouble sleeping. And so you then also want to medicate those symptoms. And so it's propelled forward both by sort of the reward system being reworked and then also trying to avoid unpleasant feelings of withdrawal. And then you end up finding yourself having to use it all the time. And the seductive nature of any substance that you use all the time is that because it's, medi it's medicating withdrawal or uncomfortable states, you think it's helping with mood and anxiety. But it's very clear once pathways get hijacked in this way that it you know, doubles, triples your odds of anxiety, depressive disorders. Basically, the very thing you think it's helping with becomes is the thing that's making everything much worse. That's why it's sometimes hard to get insight into your use because you're saying, hey, it's relieving these feelings not realizing that they're made worse by, by the use of it. You know, we talk a lot about these products have enormous amounts of nicotine, so much more than combustible cigarettes. And then Juul patented the nicotine salt technology that is now used by, you know, all of these, all of these products, these e-cigarettes. Um, if you could just very briefly explain, is it possible for kids to use these casually, you mentioned, and, and not get addicted? Are they more likely to get addicted to these products 
versus, for example, combustible cigarettes because of the amount of nicotine? Is it like a, a higher addiction load, like a higher viral load, the more nicotine? And could you briefly explain nicotine salts and if and how that makes these products even more addictive? Yeah, a lot of good questions in there. And I think at its simplest, the this delivery system with the higher uh, concentration or the higher amount of nicotine being delivered uh, through this novel you know, technology and delivery basically does result in a higher load of nicotine, which then can increase your, your odds of getting addicted. Um, and I think that's just the bottom line to know about. You can get lost in all the different ways that they've, they've designed it smartly to to get in the brain, but I think that's the bottom line. You're getting more nicotine. And then as opposed to cigarettes, I think what also makes it more addictive is that this technology makes it so that you can do it at home, in the head school, in the classroom, in the bathroom. And so now where it's really hard to smoke cigarettes um, anywhere, basically, it's um, easy to use these devices anywhere. And so you get a higher load of, of nicotine and then less detectable, easier to use around the clock way. And that can result in addiction forming quickly. So how do we get them to want to quit? And then how do we get them to quit? Those are the, the you know, right. those are the big ones. We were talking about someone earlier who had maybe uh, didn't have the motivation to do so, or there's someone had, I think the one thing to keep in mind is that there's a part of everyone that wants to change and a part of everyone that doesn't want to change to start. You know, there's a part of the kid that wants to be aligned with his parents and, and do the, do the right thing, uh, or, you know, and a part of them that wants to, you know, find out life on, on their own. And, you know, in terms of what I was saying earlier, when we come down so hard on the, on the kids to, to start, like, what are you doing? You're going to kill yourself. Your lungs are going to explode. The world's going to end. Then you sort of give them no option, but to take the other, other route. And, and, you know, in theory, as a parent, as a, as a clinician, the idea is to align yourself with the part of them that wants to change and to know that it's in there. You know, and you can even see this in your own behaviors on a day to day. There's a part of you that wants to go to the gym in the morning before work and a part of you that that doesn't. Right. And and, you know, sort of if you're going to change that, you have to figure out how to how to get that one aspect of yourself uh, a bigger voice than the than the other aspect. And so and so for kids, if you're operating under the with the theory that this isn't a bad kid, this is someone that's fallen in it for one of many reasons there's a part of him that wants to change and a part of him that's finding it very hard for, for different reasons. Then that sort of, if you can come at it in that way, you can already tell it's much different than wanting to bust the kid and, and, and strip him and search for all the things. It, it's sort of like being curious with them about how we got here and, and what we can do going forward. Um, and, and a lot of kids in the setting of, of, of doing this in the right way will want to stop on their own or will get, get there with you with time. Now there are certain kids, you know, for a lot of different reasons that won't get there, right? And 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 you know, it's especially scary if it's younger kids. You know, we've heard kids as young as 10, 11 that sort of no matter what one tries or who one sees, they're not able to to curb this behavior. And and then in, in that way, especially when you're concerned about their mental health or other reasons, you do have to take a, a stronger approach. And you know, sometimes that means seeing an addiction professional like myself or a mental health professional or you know, increasingly you're hearing of kids who need a complete break from their local environment to go to sort of a rehab or a place to sort of quit it if things get severe. But, you know, most kids, you know, with the sort of right intervention with time, uh, you know, will, will want to stop and curb the use. I mean, I think this is great. I mean, you know, you are so 
you know you speak and you say everything you say is like a pearl and short and to the point it's awesome i do mean what i was saying i am very appreciative of you guys and the work you've done i think you've you've really helped helped move a lot of this this stuff forward you you two really are everywhere i have to say <laughs> thank you we are so grateful for your partnership and your mentorship and your patience and you know we this is this is a partnership that we're very grateful for so Dr. Avery, thank you so much for, for speaking with us on our podcast, uh, Big Tobacco Mess with the Wrong Moms. And we look forward to having you back again very soon. And we're also thank really excited much. that we're going to be partnering in many different ways um, with educating parents through some of our webinars and um, also even speaking directly to kids, which we know that you and your colleagues do so well. So thank you so much again for everything. Do you have a teen or young adult at home that vapes? This is Quitting is a free and anonymous text message program designed to help young people quit vaping. Teens and young adults can text Ditch Vape to 88709 to sign up today. That's provided by Truth, the National Youth Tobacco Prevention Campaign from our partner and sponsor, uh, the Truth Initiative. It's the first of its kind program that helps young people feel motivated, inspired, and supported while quitting. More than 150,000 young people have enrolled since the program launched in January 2019. The messages include evidence-based tips and strategies to quit combined with real feedback from young people. Again, teens and young adults can enroll by texting Ditch Vape to 88709. Truth Initiative also offers free text messages for parents who are helping their children quit vaping. I myself enrolled in this program as well and would get different ideas and tips to help support my son. You can join the program by texting QUIT to 202-899-7550 or by visiting becomeanx.org to sign up. To learn more about Truth Initiative and its programs, visit truthinitiative.org.